Hey, welcome to the Bible Savvy Podcast, a weekly conversation on how to understand, enjoy, and apply God's Word. I'm your host, Nikki Lucas, and I'm joined by Executive Pastor Eric Ferris and Teaching Pastor Clayton Keenan. We're about to jump into another passage from the Bible Savvy Reading Plan, but before we do, I've got a new question. Would you rather be chronically underdressed or overdressed? This is very, it's worded very interestingly. Okay, chronically. So, yeah, like, chronic, chronically. Chronically the, underdressed and overdressed. That's a, that's a lot. Uh, and and by overdressed and underdressed, we mean uh, like dressed too fancy or not fancy enough, as opposed to wearing too much clothing or too or not, little clothing. Yes. Good, good. Okay. okay. So yeah, this, good clarification. This is, this, is about, this is about fanciness. Yep, fanciness. Okay. Now, would you rather show up in your winter co- coat or naked? Yeah. 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 No, it's, like, it's not that one. <laughs> It doesn't have to be okay. Anyway, um, <laughs> well, what so, were we going to talk about right there? The no, winter coat or the I, nakedness? I, I, I was just thinking you could be underdressed but not be totally naked. Anyway, you could I just be like in your, in your bathing suit or something. I thought you were talking about the amount. Y- yes, of the amount of clothing. Anyway, yeah. Clayton, answer <laughs> the question. <laughs> just, the nudity made me uncomfortable. Um, so, <laughs> thrown off my nudity. Um, so. I, I think I would choose overdressed. So I, I worked at a place where I had to, you know, dress up because I worked at a college. And so there were more occasions where I needed to wear a coat or a tie or whatever. And I found that five years of working there, at first I didn't like it because I came from being a youth pastor where I, you know, was barefoot and sandals and, you know, not cutting my hair and all sorts of things. Yep. To a place where I needed to wear a coat. Who would like to see a picture of that, by the way? <laughs> oh, I have them. <laughs> I, I have a that. whole arsenal of Clayton pictures, courtesy of his father, who sent me yeah, a lot of pictures. Good yeah. job, yeah. I'm holding. I'm holding them. For, Clayton knows I have them. I, I, I revealed the I fact do. that his father sent them to me, but I'm holding them for just the right time. That's amazing. Oh, boy. Um, but I liked... I liked dressing up. It made me feel good when I was at work, mm-hmm. even though I was around students who were obviously dressed casually. Um, I I enjoyed that, but you know, you you neither is preferable. But I'd right. rather be fancy. Eric, this question for me is the easiest one you've asked in maybe years. Overdressed, underdressed is embarrassing and disrespectful. So I would much rather be overdressed for every single occasion. I would agree with that. There was one thing that I did think about, though, as you were talking, that if you're overdressed, like chronically overdressed, meaning that you're dressed up every moment of every day of your life, then you would be like in a suit while you sleep. <laughs> I mean, is it well, is it overdressed for the context or just because I don't know if it's like you got to be wearing a tux all the time because uh, that's, that's how I got, tuck that, it. That guarantees that you're overdressed oh, in every 24 hours a day. Yeah. Well, I'd rather be naked 24 hours a day. <laughs> oh, gosh. Wow. Like, let's just be honest. That would be a lot easier. Right. But that's not happening. No, that's no, not happening. No. It's not. It wouldn't be easier. It would, it would not. It's all it, I feel like, I feel like now we're going to get. Than I feel not like, having to think about what you're going to wear. I feel like we well, bring you your. Might, you might have to think about where you sit, though. That's. The, <laughs> oh, that's true. That's true. All right, moving on. Um, Clayton, you've got some. You've got a Bible class that we need to tell people about. Uh, yeah. Let's awkwardly Let's move away from this subject. Um, yeah. So coming up on October 28th, we have our class, which is called Bible 102. Uh, it is one of the two classes we give for people who are very new to the Bible. Uh, Bible 102 is essentially an in-depth walkthrough on the basic comma method. So it's not when when Eric does Bible 201. 
That's a lot of tools and, you know, other things that kind of go beyond the basics. Uh, But Bible 102 is very simple. We're going to go through C-O-M-M-A on a few passages just so you can get a few reps under your belt, and uh, it'll get you more confident. So it's the sort of thing that's designed for people who say, you know, if I walk into a community group and people are opening up the Bible and starting to read it and understand it, I'm not sure what to say. Or someone who sits down and they say, well, they told me I should read my Bible, so I'm going to open it up. But I look at it and I'm like, I don't know where to begin. I, I, I know they said there's some steps, but I don't know what they are. It's walking through that for people who say, I'm intimidated. By the end of the class, you won't be intimidated. That sounds like a really good class. It, it is a good class. That anybody could benefit from. Yeah. Wow. So we could say Bible 101 is a class on what is the Bible and what's in it. Yes. Bible 102 is how to read the Bible. And Bible 201 is how to study the Bible. That's right. Very nice. Good stuff. All right, Clayton, what passage are we looking at today? All right, we are in Jeremiah chapter 20, and a little context for Jeremiah 20. So uh, we know that Jeremiah is a prophet. So at the beginning of the book of Jeremiah, he is called, he's given this assignment, and that seems like, you know, a pretty big deal, like to be called as a prophet of God, that's a high honor. Um, And yet, it turns out, it is not an easy job. Um, The people of Judah are not listening uh, to Jeremiah. He has to give a lot of bad news. He's predicting the exiles coming. The Babylonians are going to invade. Jerusalem's going to be destroyed. People aren't into that, and so they are reacting poorly. And so what we're going to see in this passage is one example of a time when someone reacted poorly and how Jeremiah responded to that, how he felt about that. So we're going to read in Jeremiah chapter 20, verses 1 through 18. When the priest of Peshur, son of Immer, the official in charge of the temple of the Lord, heard Jeremiah prophesying these things, he had Jeremiah the prophet beaten and put in the stocks at the upper gate of Benjamin at the Lord's temple. The next day, when Peshur released him from the stocks, Jeremiah said to him, The Lord's name for you is not Peshur, but terror on every side. For this is what the Lord says, I will make you a terror to yourself and to all your friends. With your own eyes you will see them fall by the sword of their enemies. I will give all Judah into the hands of the king of Babylon, who will carry them away to Babylon or put them to the sword. I will deliver all the wealth of this city into the hands of their enemies, all its products, all its valuables, and all the treasures of the kings of Judah. They will take it away as plunder and carry it off to Babylon. And you, Peshur, and all who live in your house will go into exile to Babylon. There... You will die and be buried, you and all your friends to whom you have prophesied lies. And now there's a shift here. The the heading in the NIV study Bible says Jeremiah's complaint. You deceived me, Lord, and I was deceived. You overpowered me and prevailed. I am ridiculed all day long. Everyone mocks me. Whenever I speak, I cry out, proclaiming violence and destruction. So the word of the Lord has brought me insult and reproach all day long. But if I say I will not mention his word or speak any more in his name, his word is in my heart like a fire, and fire shut up in my bones. I'm weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. I hear many whispering, terror on every side. Denounce him. Let's denounce him. All my friends are waiting for me to slip, saying, perhaps he will be deceived. Then we will prevail over him and take our revenge on him. But the Lord is with me like a mighty warrior. So my persecutors will stumble and not prevail. They will fail and be thoroughly disgraced. Their dishonor will never be forgotten. Lord Almighty, you who examine the righteous and probe the heart and mind, let me see your vengeance on them. 
for to you I have committed my cause. Sing to the Lord, give praise to the Lord. He rescues the life of the needy from the hands of the wicked. Cursed be the day I was born. May the day my mother bore me not be blessed. Cursed be the man who brought my father the news, who made him very glad, saying, A child is born to you, a son. May that man be like the towns the Lord overthrew without pity. May he hear wailing in the morning, a battle cry at noon. For he did not kill me in the womb, with my mother as my grave, her womb enlarged forever. Why did I ever come out of the womb to see trouble and sorrow and to end my days in shame? All right, let's go on to the O in comma, which is observation. What do you guys see here? The first thing that I saw was something striking in the first verse, um, talking about the priest. It says that he had Jeremiah beaten. And I thought, huh, okay. And I looked in my study Bible, and it said that this particular priest was in charge of punishing troublemakers. And I thought, okay, so so here Jeremiah is proclaiming the words that God is telling him to, to the people of Judah. The priest hears it, has him beaten. He's considered a troublemaker, even though he's proclaiming the word of the Lord. Sounds like someone else will come to know later in Jerusalem. <laughs> there, there, are lots, there are lots of hints uh, in this passage in particular, but all throughout Jeremiah, uh, that, that foreshadow a certain someone. So uh, if you haven't figured that one out, stay tuned. Mm-hmm. Um, what else do you guys see? I see that Jeremiah feels stuck. He does not like his predicament uh, yeah. when he says, if, if, I, if I say what the Lord wants me to say... I am beaten, I am ridiculed, I'm ignored. There's a whole spectrum of negative consequences to saying what the Lord wants me to say. But if I tell myself, I'm just going to stop speaking. Well, I can't do that because it's it's inside of me. Like, I got to let the fire out. Like, I can't just hold the words of the Lord. So he does not like the situation that he's in. Yeah, it feels like a lose-lose to him. That, the other striking thing that's so, sort of related to that is in verse 7, Jeremiah says, you deceived me, Lord, and I was deceived. You overpowered me and prevailed. Um, he, he uses really strange language there. We, we, you know, most of the time in the Bible, we do not talk about God lying to us or deceiving us. And so the language of deception feels very jarring there. Um, there, there are places very clearly when it says God does not lie. And yet Jeremiah kind of throws this at God. And you got to say, what, what do you do with that? Um, and, and it's Part of the first thing you should notice is the strength of his feeling has to do with what Eric was describing. It's like, I feel like I've been tricked. My options are either hold this in and you, I, you know I can't do that because you've told me to do it and it's you know like a fire in my bones, or I get these consequences that are miserable, that are just unavoidable, relentless. I, it, it's, it's a lose-lose. And so, God, I feel like you've put me in a, a place where I've been tricked and deceived. Um, and so the question is, is it okay for Jeremiah to say those things uh, to God? And there's there's uh, like some wrestling and nuance that that go into that. Um, I know that the the truth is God doesn't lie; He doesn't deceive. Um, and yet, there's sometimes the experience of saying, 
okay, what do I like? There, there are times when I feel like, you know, God got me into a situation and I didn't realize what was going to be coming. I didn't know what it was going to be like. And now here I am. Um, there's actually a call out in the NIV study Bible about this. So uh, in this passage, there's a whole thing that says, does the Lord really uh, deceive? And it explores some of the things about the language that's in there and the words or whatever. Um, but there, either either way, there's this sense that um, Jeremiah's being honest about how he feels stuck in the predicament that he's in. That sound means it's time for your comma tip of the week. The $10 Bibles are back. $10 NIV study Bibles are available again for sale at every Christ Community Church campus thanks to a generous donor who loves God's Word and wants you to love it too. NIV study Bibles are the study Bible we recommend here on the Bible Savvy Podcast. If you don't have a study Bible, they are incredibly helpful. Right now, the NIV Study Bible is listed on Amazon for $30.99. The retail list price is $54.99. So $10 is a deal, y'all. And this has been your comma tip of the week. Um, one of the observations that I picked up here, he says, um, so after he kind of does this roller coasters, roller coaster of emotion, he says, you know, but the Lord is with me like a mighty warrior. So my, my, my persecutors, they will stumble and not prevail. They will, they will fail and be thoroughly disgraced. Their dishonor will never be forgotten. And I thought about, even when, even up at the top when it talks about he was beaten essentially for this message that he had, I thought about the persecuted church. I thought about people all over the world um, who are being pursued and, and, you know, stalked for the things that they believe in to the point to where they don't even know whether or not um, they can meet in places or they have to go in hiding and they have to meet in in uh, in silence and in private. And I thought about that. And um, it's a really hopeless situation for them to be in. But the reason why they do it is because they have this eternal hope that's not always going to be like that. And so it's, it's a, a really interesting thing. Another thing that we have to wrestle with that there are people all over the world, even to this day, that are being persecuted for their faith um, because they have this this amazing hope that not everyone wants to hear. Not everyone wants to hear it. It reminds me of the passage in uh, 1 Corinthians where Paul is talking about how, um, you know, if the resurrection didn't happen, if there was no hope of life after death, then we are, of all people, the most to be pitied. Because he's saying the life we've been called to is to go to places where people don't want to hear the message and they react strongly. So Paul's in a similar situation with Jeremiah where people you know, beat him and arrested him and put him in prison and all sorts of things. And he's saying there's no reason to go through all of this if it isn't true. Mm. That if there isn't hope on the other side, if God isn't who he says he is, if he hasn't done what he said he's uh, – uh, what, he, what he did and what he says he's going to do, then – this is not a life you choose. Like that's part of what's going on with Jeremiah is the only reason you keep on going with this is because God said it and God said what he's going to do and God can be trusted. But if that's not true, that this is not a life you'd pick. Yeah, so I think sometimes the, the tension is in the timing. So Jeremiah is saying like, Lord, you deceived me. Like you've, you've put me in this predicament, but maybe part of it isn't just, I'm saying these things and not only are they not listening to me, but they are reacting negatively and there are negative consequences in my life. But also, if Jeremiah is warning them of God's impending judgment using Babylon, it's not happening yet, 
right? So the more you warn someone, hey, let me warn you about something. If you keep on this course, this is going to happen. And it doesn't happen. And it doesn't happen. And it doesn't happen. You you then become uh, immune to the warning. You think, well, it's never going to happen. It's, it's the same thing in the New Testament where it's warning people, hey, just because Jesus hasn't come back yet doesn't mean he's not coming back. So the fact that it's been a long time and we've been saying Jesus is coming back, Jesus is coming back, make sure that you don't allow that to lull you to sleep because he's coming back. Right, so Jeremiah is warning them: God is going to judge you. Babylon is going to come in, and they're and they are like, "Well, I don't see them, so you must not be right." So I think sometimes the tension is is in the timing. Another observation I make here is the the contrast. You, uh, Nikki, you mentioned the kind of roller coaster of emotions that are going on. Uh, the the sharpest one to me is the um, verse thirteen. He says, sing to the Lord, give praise to the Lord. He rescues the life of the needy from the hands of the wicked. This like positive, praise the Lord. The very next verse, curse be the day I was born. Right? He immediately hits rock and then, bottom. <laughs> and then he he's off for yep. like four, four or five verses. He's like, curse be the day I was born. Curse be the person who announced my birth. You know, like let, let like everything come on that guy, like all of this stuff. And then he ends with this. Why did I ever come out of the womb to see trouble and sorrow and to end my days in shame? Are you saying this this just seems like the lot I've been given is even worth it? Now, there there's a lot going on there. Um, two two things I'd know. One is um, it's possible for praising God and honoring who he is and, and genuinely recognizing the good that he's done can go right side by side with honest, real lament over the painful situations of your life, ones that you say, I wish I was never in this situation. Sometimes we think that those things have to be alternatives, like either you're praising and thanking God for being who he is and doing what he's done, and, or, and you're happy with your circumstances, or you can be unhappy with your circumstances, but you can't thank God or, and praise him for who he is. And th- those are not alternatives. They, they can go side by side, as strange as it seems. And you've you got that here. Yeah, I'd have to I'd have to go back through the Psalms and and do a comparison, but I'm pretty sure these aren't the worst things that are said to God in the Bible. Yeah. There's some there's some raw gut level honesty in in the Psalms, here in Jeremiah and all over the scriptures. And and there's something um permission giving about that to say when you've been given a hard assignment, it's okay to say to God, I don't like this. This is hard. Now, there are times when that that is inappropriate and grumbling, but there are lots of times where it's absolutely okay to say to God, I know you you called me to this and I signed up for this, but this is miserable and hard. Or I, I didn't choose this, but this is what you gave me and I don't know what to do with it and I wish it wasn't happening. That's You have permission to do that and it doesn't mean you're far from God when that when that happens. Yeah, I think I think when it's appropriate is when you have the posture that Jeremiah has, it's a posture of obedience. He's doing the things that God has asked him to do and is saying the things that God told him to say. I think it's when we're in a posture of disobedience and saying, I don't like this, that it becomes the category of complaining and grumbling. Well, and I even think of, too, like when you think of Jesus, his example, he's in the Garden of Gethsemane. He knows he's about to be led to his death. And he goes and he prays and he says, is there any other way? But then he he goes, okay. That's what we're going to do. If that's what we got to do, that's what we're going to do. It's the same thing. And Jesus definitely didn't sin in that moment by saying, God, is there any other way? He 
he knew he could go to God and he could express his emotions. He can express how he was feeling and still get up and do the thing he was being called to do. Yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad you brought it to Jesus because like we mentioned way at the beginning, there's a lot of details in here that are very similar to Jesus. You know, G- Jesus could say, why did I come out of the room to see trouble and sorrow? That's the, that's the reason Jesus came, Yeah, was to experience trouble and sorrow. He was arrested by priests and beaten by them. And he, uh, he was betrayed by friends and he was mocked and ridiculed and he ended his days in shame. That's what, that's what Jeremiah says. And he had, he had a message that people didn't want to hear. Like he literally walked into Jerusalem and wept over it because they wouldn't listen, which is exactly what Jeremiah does. And so um, the fact that Jeremiah can say this and then Jesus comes along sinless and can still say this was, this was a hard assignment. Um, it, there, there's a lot of freedom in that. That's, that's really powerful. All right, let's go on to one of the M's in comma. Let's start with message today. What do you get out of this passage? My message is uh, based on the roller coaster of emotions that Jeremiah has. Um, I put in here, it, it's okay for a Christian to feel hopeless and hopeful at the same time. All right, my message is... The best use of your life is whatever assignment God has given you. I think a lot of times people are looking for a purpose. What's the meaning of my life? Why did God make me? And the, and the answer is, whatever God has for you, it's part of his unfolding story, and there is no more significant way to spend your life than being a part of God's story and what he's accomplishing throughout human history. So whatever assignment God gives us is the best use of our lives. Uh, my message is based off of kind of those final sections of, of Jeremiah's prayer where he's lamenting the day he was born, and and the thoughts get really dark. So I said this, dark thoughts do not always mean distance from God. Um, and I think that's really helpful when people are looking at their own experience, and it's not just the difficulty of the thing they're going through and the thing they feel about it, but then they add on the layer of, so this must mean I can't be close to God or I'm not close to God. Um, and Jeremiah shows that dark thoughts don't always mean distance from God. All right, we're going to go on to the other M in comma, which is meditation. This is where we take about 45 seconds here on the podcast or however long you need to pray about something that's come out of the passage. And so one of the things that you can do in meditation is to actually take one of the messages that you found and use that as kind of a prompt for prayer to say, okay, God, as I'm thinking about this, this message— um, how does it apply to me? What does it mean to me? What do you want to say to me through this? And so let's take Nikki's one here, um, t- where she talked about it's possible for a Christian to both feel hopeless and hopeful at the same time. And so maybe there are places in your life where uh, you're experiencing uh, a drift towards hopelessness, or maybe there are places where you have are holding on to hope. And take some time to express both of those things to God. All right, let's talk about the A in comma, which stands for application. What do we do in response to this? 
my application uh, to my message is okay for a Christian to uh, feel hopeless and hopeful at the same time is to model exactly what Jeremiah is doing here is to come to God um, with those emotions, come to God with those things that we're experiencing. And in our hopelessness, we come to him in dependence, trusting that he has a perfect plan in place for us. And that is the hope that we need to navigate these very imperfect, troubling circumstances that we can um, we can often find ourselves in. We don't want us. We don't want to be in them. God does not want them in, a, in us in them. Um, but when we come to Him in dependence, we can trust He's going to uh, help us help us get through them. So my message is: the best use of your life is whatever assignment God gives you. And it's making me think about the text in the New Testament that says, "Seek first the kingdom, and everything else will be added unto you." So it's just live. Live your life as if you are on assignment from God, because you are. God has purposes for your life. All of the other stuff is trivial. All of the other stuff is details. Live your life on purpose as if you have an assignment from God, because you do. So my message was dark thoughts don't always mean distance from God. And so my application is similar to Nikki's, um, just that ability to be honest, to lament the situation that you're in. God can handle those prayers, and so you come to Him with those things. I want to add a particular application for for some of you out there. Some of you are experiencing dark thoughts, and maybe they're persistent, maybe they're really deep, and you're not going to be able to walk through those by yourself. Um, You're going to need some help with those things, and that's really okay. Um, One of the things that makes Jeremiah's situation difficult is, in some ways, he felt like he was on his own, but that isn't the case for you. Um, You have a church, you have people around you, and there are resources to be able to do that. So if you're looking for a way to get in community with people, um, you might want to check out Care Night at one of our locations. You might want to get in touch with our care team. We have uh, references to counselors that we trust in the the area of our church. Um, There may be other ways that you can reach out uh, to someone, to a friend, to talk with them. I also want to say in particular for for some of you, uh, you might be in a dark place where you have thoughts that echo Jeremiah's when he says, I'm not even sure I want to be alive. Um, And we realize how serious that is. And for some of you, that's a really uh, threatening thing. Um, So if you experience thoughts about suicide, I, I want to let you know, you can tell someone, and there are people who care and who can help and will listen well. Uh, if you are in a dark place in the kind of the immediate moment and you don't have someone to reach out to, uh, there is a suicide prevention lifeline that you can call. It's 1-800-273-8255, 1-800-273-8255. You can call that anytime uh, just to have someone to talk to and when you're in those really dark moments. But in general, we, we as a church want to be around you uh, and help you walk through those things so you don't have to do it alone. That's good. Thank you, Clayton. All right, friends, that's all that we have for you this week. Join us next Monday for a new episode. We'll be looking at another passage from the Bible Savvy Reading Plan. In the meantime, if you're not following along, you can check out BibleSavvy.com to download it and to start reading. Also, you can subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Email us your questions or suggestions at podcast at BibleSavvy.com. Lastly, tell your friends, and we'll talk to you next week.